When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast, and spears... Dan holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, before we get into our Art Bell iTunes five-star rating and reviews, I want to let you guys know we are bringing back the Renegade Podcast. That's right. Myself and Wes Germer are definitely bringing back the Renegade Podcast. And what we're going to do is we're going to actually do it live every week on YouTube on video. So if you want to actually watch us do the Renegade Podcast live on video and have interaction with us during the show, go to YouTube and search The Renegade Podcast. You'll see our logo pop up. Go to the page, hit subscribe, and also hit that little bell button that alerts you when we do something like go live or post a video. So that way you don't miss any opportunity to watch that show be recorded live. Now, moving on to the Art Bell iTunes five-star rating and reviews. This week we have Chief in the Trees, Jewy 14 JJ Pasadena, Cryptid Wolf, Trail Hugger, Beth54, David W815, 
Jazzy956 from the UK, and JPD6261 from Australia. And JPD, I really hope that you start feeling better because you said that you're sick at home a lot, and that's why you listen to so many shows. So if you want, shoot me an email and we can have some dialogue, friend, and keep yourself some company there. So moving on to the Patreon shoutouts. This is for people who go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to become patrons, monthly contributors to the confessionals. This really helps the show keep going, and there's a lot of great rewards for it. And this week we have Grant, Linda D, Jason A, Ascendia E, Lori R, Andrew S, Kristen L, and Nick F. Thanks for going to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and signing up to become a patron. I really appreciate that, guys, and it helps the show out a lot. So again, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash the confessionals. And there you can see all the different rewards that you get for being a patron. And also I want to add on that we do have our monthly patrons only episode coming up this Saturday, July 28th, where we're going to bring back on Pastor Timothy Waugh from last month's show, where he talked about a lot of the different miracles that he has experienced and God worked through him. He's going to talk about those things. He's going to share more stories, and he's also going to go into more details of stories that he shared on last month's show. So if that interests you, go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and sign up to be a patron of the squad or groupie levels. And there you will have access to next Saturday's show, which airs live at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I hope to see you guys there. Now, this week we have Josh coming on, and Josh actually shares a lot of details about a property that he and his family are living on right now. It's an ongoing situation. They've seen a white Bigfoot-like creature, and they have also seen a white mouthless skinny creature. And so they don't know if it's the same thing or different things, but it's definitely an entertaining show with him sharing these experiences that they're having on their property right now. And I did just talk to Josh this week, and he has more stories to share that have happened since we recorded this show. So he will definitely be coming on for another patron show in the future. Without any further delay, let's get today's show going right after this. All right, tonight we have a guest coming on. His name is Josh, and Josh is from Oklahoma. Josh, how you doing, man? Doing good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, we just spent some time chatting here a little bit, and I am interested to hear some of these stories that you have and kind of have some dialogue about it. Uh, we had a little bit of an issue trying to get you connected with uh, good cell phone reception, but you sound great right now, so I'm excited about it. Unfortunately, you get to stand outside, <laughs> but it yeah. it is what it is. Um uh, so why don't we start off with, you know, where this all kind of kicked off for you, which is something that your brother told you. So what, what'd your brother tell you? All right. So this was maybe four years ago. We've been out here for seven years now. I think, uh, this is the longest we've ever, uh, settled down in a place. So, uh, we've been out here for a long time and it didn't really pick up until about four years ago. So that would have been. 2014 around that time and uh basically um we have some farm animals uh, we had uh more at the time but we had uh a goat herd and my me my brother would go out and we'd uh 
take care of the goats and basically just make sure they're all managed, right? So I go in first, go back inside first, um, to kind of get, get my dinner and uh, get ready for, uh, you know, bed and whatnot. So he, he stays out longer, helping taking care of everything. And uh, he says that he saw this figure uh, standing out across the, the oil well field that's uh, across the road from our property. So if you're looking directly at it, it's pretty much staring you right in the face. There's no anything really between it. And what they did is they built it up on like a mound. They mounded up the dirt all the way around it. And that created three gullies all the way around it, except for the uh, road it has um, cuts right in front of it. And the three gullies are on the right, left sides and in the back, back behind all the equipment. So he's walking around, uh, just got done closing everything in and he's taking a look at it. And he's, he says he watched it as it, as it was standing there. And at first he said he thought it was a sign of some kind, like some uh, big, big sign just that they had constructed up there. But they hadn't done any work over there in a while. And it was at this time that the oil well field was still new. It was maybe in for a month or two. And so he thought he thought it was a sign, so he kind of brushed it off. Um, he looked at it a little bit, a little bit more, and he said that it crouched down. Like um, we we tried to kind of size up and reenact it to the best of our abilities, and um, it crouched down and onto almost onto all fours from where it had been standing up straight and almost human-like it crouched down to all fours and then stood back up quickly and he watched it do that and then after that he kind of just said no way and and went on inside and uh, he actually didn't tell me about it until maybe a year or two later um, whenever we had started hearing weird uh, sounds out here on the property so let me ask you about this first encounter that your brother had. Uh, first of all, let me just get the obvious out of the way. Do you think that this is a Bigfoot? Um, I think that it is, it's a possibility. Around the area that we live, there's a lot of Native American lore. And Oklahoma is a very big Native American state. And it, they've got tons of stories about large ape-like creatures running around in the woods right so at the time we did think it was a bigfoot um i don't know what to what to think's out here now um but the consensus is still leaning towards bigfoot on this and it was what he explained it as is it looked like it had snow like matted on it because it's not the kind of like white fluffy movie snow you see whenever it snows out here, it's more ice than anything. So it sticks to anything, especially hair, clothes. If you're going to get covered with snow, it's pretty much little hard ice pebbles, ice pebbles. <clears throat> Sorry. And 
it looked he said it looked like it had like hair, but it had snow matted on it. Okay, uh, that's interesting. I mean, I'm assuming it was snowing that night then, or recent snowfall. Uh, you know, cause I'm not sure if you are familiar with any, you know, Bigfoot encounters throughout the state or the country really. Uh, but in my state, Pennsylvania, uh, a white Bigfoot is very well known in this neck of the woods, uh, to be roaming our woods. And it's been seen on the West side of the state, on the East side of the state and anywhere in the middle too. Uh, yeah. and, and Pennsylvania is a very wide state. Uh, it's probably about a four and a half, five hour drive across Pennsylvania. It's a very big area. Right. And so when people are seeing this, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to think that something that big and white can hide, especially in Pennsylvania. Yes. What yes. Are, what are your thoughts on that? When it comes to your situation? Um, whenever it comes to, to us in Oklahoma, I've researched for days, just looking into eyewitness accounts and, a lot of them are actually in our area or around our county. Um, our county, especially out where we're at, doesn't have a lot of uh, people living around it. And if so, they're people who have lived there for generations and they don't talk about nothing. So it's a lot of weird, almost like a weird secrecy out here where no one talks about it. And I mean, I've talked with people around the area um, and they've said stuff like they've heard noises and screaming. And I had a, oh, I have an older brother he doesn't live, uh, here anymore. He lives up in Oregon, but whenever he was down here, he had a job at a convenience store as a cashier and everything. And he could cook. So he was doing some of the, the cooking and everything. And he said that he got a group of people who came in who had just got done um, off of a camping trip and they had camped in a wildlife reserve that the, they allowed basically allowed them to stay the night. You know, they almost like rented out a little place, um, but they had stayed there. And what they, what, what uh, he overheard them saying is that it sounded like there was a woman screaming in the woods, like a woman it sounded like she was being killed. And, they even informed law enforcement. They said, there's, there's no, no women out here. There's nothing going on. And I mean, they said that it frightened them and they, they're not going over there, you know, anymore. And so, and that reserve is maybe 15 miles in the South Southwest direction. So it's very close to here. If you're talking about how they're, possibly seeing the same creature in Pennsylvania across the state. And obviously that would be no, no, uh, no, no large journey for a creature to take if, you know, it's going across state. Right. I mean, like it's full-time job is just to roam the woods, right? I mean, theoretically. Exactly. Uh, and so, yeah. I mean, these things are so big. I mean, you would think that they would travel great distances. And, you know, one of my friends uh, in the Bigfoot community, uh, he brought a great point up to me, and we brought it up before on the show. Uh, one of the things that is common amongst inbreeding is albinoism. 
And so it makes you wonder if there is some kind of inbreeding going on that these creatures could, you know, come out as albinos, you know, therefore, you know, a white Bigfoot. And what's interesting about at least my neck of the woods is that just recently on Sasquatch Chronicles, Wes interviewed a guy who saw a, for lack of better terms, a baby Bigfoot on the side of the road. And it was white. And this was back in 1975 in Pennsylvania. And now right. we have a full grown white Bigfoot running around the woods. That we actually have video of. And so it's like, it makes you wonder if there was the same one. You don't know. So it just, I found yeah. that very interesting. Either a strange coincidence or perhaps the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I've looked up reports and different things from all across the States, all across everywhere around here. And, you'd be surprised on how many people actually um, see these things roaming around in Oklahoma. There's a town called Ada. Um, It's maybe a hundred miles to the South of where we're at. And they, I've actually, I actually have family who live in Ada and they even did a documentary about the Bigfoot, activity in ada and around the area and you know i've been down there it's a small town it's not a big sprawling city or anything it's a small town and there's woods all the way around it like nothing but woods and fields and people out here they own a lot of land like you'll you'll go through like you could just drive and you'd see the same homestead the same house having hundreds and hundreds of acres. And if a person could hide out there, I have no, there's no, it's not a, like a, it's not a stretch to think that anything else could be hiding out there too. Right. And you know, we're talking about Bigfoot right now, but I just want to let you know that at any time, by no means do I want to corner you into the Bigfoot talk. If you ever feel like what you're you're about to talk about isn't Bigfoot, just feel free to say so. I just, that's the, like I said, that was like the obvious question to ask because of the description. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I actually have thought a lot about it. Um, and going into it, I thought it was a Bigfoot. And especially from what happened afterwards, I thought it was a Bigfoot. But then whenever I saw my encounter, there's, there's either two things roaming around or we misidentified the first one. Gotcha. Okay. Well, what happened to this one that your brother saw? I don't remember if you said or not, but uh, he sees this thing. Did it walk away? Or I can't remember what you said. No, he booked it. He, my brother, he headed straight into the house, and he didn't didn't talk about it for a long time. And uh, my brother can be really secretive about stuff. He doesn't, not a very talkative person. And but whenever he told me about it, he he gave me as much detail that I can give now you know the he could see like the matted hair and everything he estimated the height and there was a tree back behind it that stretched up visibly maybe six and a half feet up the hill from where his his vantage point was looking at from where he was seeing it and he said that it was head and shoulders above that and the reason that he said it looked like a sign is because it was turned uh he was his side towards him so it looked like one thin profile. Um, the he basically just said that it was thin, but it wasn't like skinny. So, you know, 
almost like an average physical, you know, thin and healthy, if you get what I mean. You know, it wasn't yeah, kind of like skinny and nutrition. Right. It wasn't like skinny and malnutrition. It looked healthy. Uh, but whenever it crouched down, it almost like turned its shoulders towards him so he could see a more, more of an outline. And he said that it was huge. And we, we walked up there about, this would be maybe a year and a half later. It hadn't changed. The, the scenery hadn't changed. The tree had gotten taller, but the scenery hadn't changed. We walked up there and at the time I was much younger. So at the time I may have been five foot tall and this thing was from where we had measured it. It was a good probably three, four feet taller than me once we measured everything. And it wasn't like, it wasn't a, like a, he said it looked bulky, but it didn't look, you know, huge. Like I heard, um, your show with the, uh, the guy who does Sasquatch Chronicles. So I heard his encounter of what they, the size they were and everything. And, uh, a lot of people report them being huge, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque, uh, and it wasn't like that for uh for San, for my brother's encounter he he said it was it was you know athletic looking but wasn't huge yeah and and you know there's different uh body sizes and shapes and stuff according to really by the region i mean uh the pacific northwest is really known for large animals you know like uh west mm-hmm. will tell you as cat uh, or uh, not a cat uh a mountain lion will get up to 250 pounds in the north in the northwest uh in pennsylvania yeah. a full-grown mountain lion you're looking at about a buck 50 to maybe 200 but 200 is really pushing it uh and so yeah. that's you know that's a 50 pound to 100 pound difference just going across the country and so i would imagine with these things it's a very similar situation it all depends on what they're eating uh and what the, their environment is right i'm a hunter and you know it does even deer sizes really change from from where you go in the country uh we have not huge deer around here but they can get big um which is it's really good whenever you're hunting because you want to try and get a good sized one if you're especially since we hunt to provide for the family but if you know if you've got deer that large running around and we have herds of deer that will come through like six or seven will come through every day down the road, just kind of out in the open. And that's a food source right there for anything big and predatory running around. No. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, and, and I don't think food source is something that is questioned when it comes to this, uh, in your area, there's plenty of food source. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one thing that I would say is, I have seen these like maps that kind of like plot out, you know, where a lot of these sightings happen throughout the country. And there's a very common thing where when you get to the 
the Midwest of the country, it seems like sightings drop off a lot. And I wonder if that has anything to do with the flatlands that's there uh, and maybe not as well of a hiding area. Uh, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that? You live there. I, I've never, I've been there for basketball tournaments, but that's it. So, I mean, I really right. don't know what the, uh, the landscape is really like for these things. Um, I'm just going to give you a comparison. If Pennsylvania is a lot like West Virginia, um, this place is considered just nothing but flat because I drove from, from here all the way up to West Virginia where, where we, where we come from pretty much. I drove all the way up from here and you could tell as the scenery changed, Oklahoma and the surrounding states are really, really flat. Like you can look out for miles and not see anything in some places. But the the weird thing about Oklahoma is that we have a lot of evergreen trees and they sprout up everywhere in central Oklahoma, especially you'll see nothing but fields and then huge patches of just forestry. And we have some just absolute huge, huge forests. And as you go up north more, you get some mountain terrain that's up there. I haven't been up there personally, but it's there's a lot of of mountainous region up north. But from where we're from where we're at, it's a lot of flat lands. And I mean, anything could hide in here. We've had escaped prisoners from our prison system that have gone out and lived in the woods for months and people have, people haven't, haven't caught them, you know? So you could live out there for forever and people wouldn't find you. Okay. I got you. Uh, yeah. Cause you said, I think it's during the pre-interview, you said that there's not a whole lot around you, but there is a prison system. What? 15 miles away. You said. Yeah. 15 miles. There's um, a medium security penitentiary. It's also connected with a national guard base. Uh, and you, you'll see the, the Black Hawk choppers and the Chinooks fly in and out. Um, and they'll, they'll do reach, you know, routine flight checks and, uh, exercise maneuvers and whatnot. And that's, yeah, that's about 15, 15 miles to the, to the South. If you walk out on the road at night, you can see the lights from the prison. Um, but it's, yeah, it's all one down one big stretch of, um, stretch of road. I, I guess it'd be considered a highway. So it's, it's all one down one big stretch of highway. And then that passes through where we're at. And then we have about two roads that come on down, down our direction. And we live on the, almost the end of a dead end street. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Uh, what are the odds? And I'm sure you could probably even find these facts online somewhere. Uh, but since there's a prison system near you, uh, is there any good odds that maybe what your brother saw was an escaped prisoner? Um, Oklahoma has a lot of crime, uh, for being a state that's so rural but whenever a person escapes from a prison, the news jumps all over it because honestly, there's nothing else to cover but crime. So when someone escapes from a prison around here, everyone knows about it and their face is everywhere. And at the time, I don't remember seeing anyone as an escape, as an escapee. 
but especially compared to the size of, of what it was, you know, people don't get that big. It's, and to survive in the cold, and obviously they would either have to get close somewhere or they'd be wearing their prison jumper. And it was frigid. It was very cold. We had layers on and we were still, you know, freezing. So it's, I don't think it was an escape prisoner because the activity continued even two years after that. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking too. I mean, you probably would know that there was, you know, something like that going on to be on high alert. And that probably would have been the first thing that you thought of then once, once your brother saw that. So, um, exactly. So why don't we talk about your, you know, some of the other experiences, like in your email, you mentioned about hearing fingernail scratching on a window with your brother. Uh, what, what happened there? Uh, me and my brother share the same room. Um, still do even now, years later. And, uh, we were asleep one night and we have dogs in the room with us. We got a border collie and, uh, I think it was just the border collie at the time, but we were, we were laying asleep in bed and effort. He was the first one to wake up and he kind of, I heard him, you know, jostle awake and I'm like, you know, what is it? And he's like, sounds like there's something outside. I'm like, like what? And he, he says, he goes like, you know, quiet down, just take a listen. And we had a, uh, air window air conditioner because we didn't, we live out in pretty much like an old, an old house, right? Uh, the earliest stuff that was put on is stuff from the 1800s. Uh, whenever people first started settling down out here. So the room we're actually living in has log walls inside of it. And those get really hot because we've got everything else, all the other modern, you know, drywall and insulation and everything packed up on top of it. So we usually put in a window air conditioner unit and it, it's, you know, just one of your $50 uh, go down to the hardware store and pick up an air conditioner kind of one. So he, he shushes me down for a minute and I, I sit there and I listen and it sounds like if you were to take your fingernails and scratch down the back of the air conditioner and I kind of go, you know, well, what is that? And so I get up and I was an idiot. I didn't grab a gun. I, I grabbed my knife. That was, I always keep a knife at my bedside. So I, I grabbed my, my knife and I, I kind of walk out on the porch with a flashlight and I shine it over to where the air conditioner is at and I don't see anything. So I go like, huh, that's weird. And I walk on inside and he said that soon after I opened up the bedroom door that it stopped because I had already opened up the bedroom door and jumped straight to the front door and walked on outside. And the colleague followed me and she didn't get alerted to anything that was out there. So this was strange to say the least. We went back to to back to bed and I said, you know what? I'll check it out in the morning. We'll do a little bit of reconnaissance and see see what's going on. So we walk outside the next day, and everything looks normal. You know, I could kind of like, you know, nothing seemed out of the ordinary around it. So as I get closer to the air conditioner, I look down at the bottom, and it looks like the grass has died just right there 
at the bottom of the air conditioner. And I mean, that can be a common occurrence, you know, uh, certain chemicals and stuff will kill, kill grass or, and sometimes grass just up and dies around here. So I'm looking at it and it's start, I, I come, I'm putting it together in my head and I, I look at it some more and they look like footprints and not just like there, you know, how we step, we step, you know, left, right, left, right. It looked like both feet were like, right, just like standing almost like at attention, right. Where, how you have your feet together, uh, but far enough apart. So it was maybe six inches apart and we measured them and they were about 12 to 13 inches long and about six inches wide each. So about the, the width was, you know, the length was double the width. So I, you know, I, I start thinking, I'm like, is this, you know, some kind of, you know, Bigfoot thing? Cause at the time we, we already started, he already told me, I'm thinking, it might be, you know, some kind of Sasquatch creature or whatever could be running around. And I go like, well, how come the grass died? Because it wasn't like just, you know, the grass had been dead and something stepped on it because the grass was fine the day before. And what what it looked like is whenever it's, it, it was standing there, that the grass died. And it wasn't just like under the under the feet where the feet would be it was around it too. So that's something I've never been able to explain on why the grass was dead there. Especially it wasn't dead the, the day before. And then the next day it was dead and we heard something scratching on the air conditioner. Yeah. I mean that, that whole scenario is a little spooky. I mean, if you hear something scratching on the air, cause you know, that sound, anybody who's been around the window unit, especially when you're a kid, you play with that, the back of it, you run oh, your yeah. fingers up and down and making that noise oh, yeah. to hear that yeah. at night. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Oh yeah. That's gotta be nerve wracking. Yeah, man. And I, I might've thought, you know, it was a possum of some kind, you know, but then I thought, you know, the air conditioner is running. Okay. So usually possums or raccoons around here, cause we have both they'll, you know, they'll mess with something, but not if it's running. That's something they don't normally do out here. You know, I don't know how it is for the rest of the country, but out here, they don't mess with anything that's moving or making noise. So I thought it might have been that because, you know, it sounded different. I actually had, uh, my mom was out and I had her run her fingernails on the, uh, on the air conditioner unit. And it sounded more like that than if I ran my my nails on it because you know you, I keep my angle my nails um, you know trimmed and everything for whenever I'm working. So it it just made me wonder like because it sounded pretty much exactly the same. So I'm wondering if it was you know some kind of you know Bigfoot creature or anything i mean i believe in you know the paranormal the supernatural and stuff like that and i'm a christian you know the bible talks about demons and devils and whatnot and that that even crossed my mind at one point so you know it's just one of those things I, i might never know
this is Jason from episode 17, Touching a Bigfoot, and you're listening to The Confessionals with Tony. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times with these kind of issues, we're probably not going to know. Uh, we're going to go to the grave knowing less than what we do know. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting situation. I mean, and you're absolutely right with the spot on with the uh, footprints. I mean, you're talking that that's the dimensions that they talk that would be Bigfoot. I mean, if you're talking about 12, 13 inch print and you got six to seven inches wide, uh, that, that's, that fits the dimensions. Uh, the width is yeah. supposed to be half the length of the, the foot. So, uh, now when you were looking at those prints, uh, I know it, at first you didn't realize that you were looking at prints. So I'm assuming there wasn't great toe definition. No, there were actually no toe definition. <clears throat> and that's how, that's why I didn't think I was looking at tracks because it didn't look like there was any toe definition at all. It just looked like two little indentions, not, you know, not little, but two indentions and dead grass all the way around it. And I, I didn't think it was a, a print because, you know, I didn't see the toe indentions and, you know, you always hear stories, you know, about Sasquatches and their, their feet, you can see the toes and everything. And I did look for that, but even after, you know, examining, it didn't look like it. It looked like someone had stepped there, was heavy enough to create a two little ruts almost in the ground, but wasn't heavy enough to leave toe prints or it just didn't have toes, you know, like it was wearing, you know, shoes or something. But then the way the grass died around it was definitely weird. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the grass died around it, that is weird. I mean, because, you know, I can step step on grass and I'm not going to kill it, you know? So it's exactly it's very interesting. That that kind of brings in a, a different aspect of things that maybe we'll touch on a little bit later. <laughs> uh, okay. So, all right. So, that, I mean, that happens. And then you talked about having, having heard uh, some deep growls that kind of really set off coyotes uh, into a frenzy. And you also yeah. uh, heard some tree knocking and, and tree structures. So tell us about these situations. So it was after that, me and my brother and my sister, we decided, you know what, let's go look up in our field because we've, we've only got 20 acres, but 20 acres is a lot. And we haven't even explored everything out here. So we, we decided, you know what, let's go out with flashlights, let's record it, and let's, you know, let's see what we can find. Because you know, we were watching shows at the time trying to because if this thing was sasquatch you know i wanted to to know everything i could know about it and that's about the time that you know i found sasquatch chronicles and shows like that um i think was around that time if i'm not mistaken but you know i i I'd try and get get as much information so i decided you know what if anything's going to happen we're going to want to have it at least on camera and we walk out there one night. The first night we're out there, nothing really happens. Uh, and we, we chop it down to going out once a week for maybe a month or two. And one night we were out there, and this one was probably the, one of the weirdest. And what, what made me really weirded out by everything that's going on was we were, we were walking around. Me and my sister split up, and then my brother went down into another area. We have two different fields. Uh, we call one of them the first field and then the other one the second field. And if you go down in the second field, that's where we do a lot of our deer hunting. You can just sh- you know, set up the deer feeder and then th- there's a nice little patch of, uh, 
of uh, kind of like wild wild vegetation just you know kind of coming up and it almost creates like a cul-de-sac down there where there was once a tree standing in the middle of the entrance to the field and after we chopped it down there's almost like two little little driveways almost going down so he walked on down that way um he he had a uh an axe handle with him to you know beat on the trees uh with you know try and get some kind of a response or anything and me and my sister we hunkered down up into up in this little place um i do airsoft and a lot you know airsoft stuff with with buddies out here and we'll we'll go up in the fields and you know shoot at each other and just have just have a time and so there's this little place that we kind of created almost like a foxhole um right next to a tree and the tree kind of came up and almost like made it like a cave right so we me and my sister hunkered down in there we turned off our flashlights we just kind of sat there okay and we start by hearing on our right side which isn't our property this is right on the edge of our property the property going to the east of us it connects with that property kind of right up against it and i honestly don't know how much land they've got out there but they've got you know quite a bit of quite a bit of land going to the east of us and then up north of us there is a just a whole bunch of land maybe 380 acres i think but just a whole bunch of land that way and so we're sitting there and we're just trying just listening and we hear from the right of us which is towards the east we hear uh what sounds like like a really big guy like hollering right it was to to put it into like best it was like short quick and it didn't carry on for a long time it was almost just like you know like a yell it wasn't like a howl or anything it was like like a yell okay so that gets gets us on our toes immediately like you know what, what was that you know there's usually there's not people out there and that, that guy sounded big and it's kind of like well we're not trespassing or anything we're, we're fine right here if it is a guy yelling then you know so be it he can't really do anything about us you know we're on our property so we sit down there for a little bit longer and we we're listening to my brother making some some noise down in the down in the field and then after a while he stops to take a listen and i hear a, a branch break so again this was to our east which would be our right side and you know it sounded like um we do a lot of chopping firewood around here for the wood stove in the uh fall time if you've ever heard a deadfall, a dead tree, you know, just kind of collapse. That's what it sounded like. Like the tree, it wasn't like a, like a little branch or a stick or anything. It sounded like a whole tree getting cracked in half. And, you know, I've, you know, seen up close, like maybe six inch diameter branches will make huge, huge cracking sounds, right? If they're broken straight in half. If you break them slowly, they'll creak and then and then break, right? 
But if you break them quick, they'll make a huge, it'll pretty much sound like a, like a gunshot. Best as I would describe it as if you've ever heard a nine millimeter shoot from maybe a few sure. hundred yards away. Yep. That's about it. That's about what it sounds like. And it sounded more like a, uh, an evergreen tree or a cedar tree than it did like an oak because an oak will, it'll sound different than a, a cedar tree. A cedar tree has a really, really distinct pop. And like I said, more like the nine millimeter sound where the oak tree will have a thud to it and the cedar tree will just have a straight pop. So we, we kind of sit there for a little bit and we're like, okay, I mean, that could have been again, anything because we do have people who own firearms around here, us being, you know, one of them. And they'll, you know, if they have to shoot something at night, they're going to use a smaller caliber weapon. It won't wake the whole neighborhood and they're not, you know, wasting ammo on their hunting rifle. Right. So they'll just grab their pistol and go, you know, shoot whatever's rummaging around in their, their garbage or messing with the chickens. Right. So again, I think, you know, it could be that because the neighbors, they aren't that close, but if they've got barns and stuff kind of scattered around down through the, through the property yeah that yeah if something's messing with their chickens or something they'll you know they could shoot it whatever right so that was my first thought and then about we sat there for i'm gonna say maybe a minute but we heard this thud beside us and it sounded like if you've ever like i don't know how much time you spend in the woods but if you ever jump off of like say a, a log or something right and you jump off and you catch a little bit of air time before you hit the ground, that thud on the leaves, right? So, like, you know yeah. it's a, a solid solid creature, but it's not like a really big guy, like, jumping down, right, off of something. And so we kind of sit there for a second, and then it, I hear footsteps. And it, it, it'll one, two, three, four, stop. Just about that fast. Not like it's getting out of anywhere. It's just kind of moseying off. So I heard it do that. And this is maybe, maybe 20 feet to our right. And you could, you could hear it like distinct footsteps. One, two, three, four, stop. And I didn't hear anything else, which at the time I'm thinking, okay, it's not going to take four footsteps and get out of ear range that quickly. Not with how heavy that thing is. You know, if, if it's going to get out of earshot, it'll definitely take it more steps. You know, you, you hear about them crossing highways in like two or three steps. And it's like, you know, that's believable. They're huge. But at the same time, if it was, you know, walking through the woods, I could definitely hear it before it got out of earshot, right? So it just stopped. And we sat there for maybe five minutes before my, my sister who's younger than me said, you know what, let's just pack it up and head home. It, it was starting to freak her out. So I'm like, okay, you know, we pack up our gear, we head on home. Uh, and we, you know, tell some friends and stuff about it. And they're just kind of like, yeah, sure you did. Okay. You know, almost like a, you know, like I believe you, but really, you know, you're, you're full of it. So it's, uh, it was definitely weird. It was, I'm not going to lie to you. It was scary because that, something that big sounding, just making like a, a thud, like it jumped down beside you and then walking off and you not hear where it goes, which is a weird thing because 
if it was going somewhere, it would have gotten out of earshot and it would have taken many more steps than that. Yeah, I mean, that everything you just described sounds like classical Bigfoot activity. Uh, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to say it's Bigfoot, but it's Bigfoot. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely sounds like it. Now, uh, I want to transition from that to your experience that you had. Uh, and in the email, you said, I even saw a white, skinny, hairless creature in November of 2017. Tell me about it, man. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, November comes around, it's hunting season. Um, you know, we bring out the whole, the whole crew, the whole nine yards, right? You know, parents, grandparents, they all come out. We, we, you know, get out there and we, you know, just kind of, we chill, right? Chill. And then at the nighttime, all the guys go out hunting and, uh, you know, we just kind of have a, have a good old time. So it was actually, it was me and my grandpa. We were out. He's in his in his late sixties, early seventies now. Um, and I'm going to level with you. His hearing isn't that, isn't that good. Um, he worked in the coal mines for 20 years and he did machinery work. So, I mean, sometimes you'll say something to him and he won't even hear you. So, uh, he, me and him, we usually, we usually go out, uh, almost like tag team, you know, he'll spot it and I'll shoot it. Uh, kind of thing and so we're we're up on the hill where i told you the uh what looks like almost like a cul-de-sac where there's two entrances or like an entrance and an exit it's like a like a parking lot almost um that's about what it that's about where we were set up that we had already cut down the tree for firewood and it created if we sat on the ground we were able to camouflage ourselves and we could sit there and just kind of, uh, you know, blend in a little bit. And it was dark. It was maybe, I'm going to say, 8 o'clock-ish. Um, but we were only up there for about 20, I think, whenever, by the time we came down, we went up at 7.30 and came down at 8.32 exactly is whenever we came back down to the house. So we were up there for maybe I guess probably about 40 minutes really you know the time just kind of flies whenever you're sitting up there with nothing to do but watch so we sat up there and we were watching the field we had set up the deer feeder so that we could lure the deer out and you know you know pop one whenever they come walking out of the woods so I'm sitting up there and it's towards the end of the hunt and I hear the border collie and she starts causing ruckus and barking, chasing something down through the woods, right? Again, it, whenever it was coming down, it was on the east again, but it wasn't on our property. It was definitely over the, uh, the property line, the fence that we've got set up. So I can hear it, you know, coming down. And at first it sounded like a pack of hogs and I've heard hogs come through and they'll, they'll make a thud on the ground with each, you know, hoof coming down, right? They'll make a thud and then you'll, you'll also hear the, the leaves, right? 
as this thing was coming down, it sounded like a pack of hogs, but there were, there was no hooks, right? No, nothing. It was just like leaves. And the best way I could describe it is if you ever saw a spider like run, that's what it would sound like if you put were put noise to each step, right? How okay. how their legs move whenever they they are you know running. So that's basically how I would explain it sounding, is that it sounded like either there were multiple of them or it had multiple legs and they were each hitting the ground without making a sound on the ground itself. It sounded like it was just hitting the leaves. And there was a deadfall tree back behind there that had fallen over at some point, and I could kind of hear it as it came down, right? As it came down through the our field and eventually came through our fence. And whenever I say came through our fence, I don't mean it like jumped the fence. It came through the fence. There was no sound whatsoever. It just came through the fence. It didn't stop for the fence which either leads me to believe that it had multiple legs and somehow lifted its leg up over the fence or just went under the fence or it went literally through the fence. So I hear it coming down towards my right and it's coming kind of directly towards where we're sitting. And then our, the dog runs by and she starts barking at it. Right. And she'll bark at it. And then it, it makes a turn to the right itself. And now it's heading down north, down towards the bottom of the field. It's still in the, like the bush to the right side. And as it comes down, um, I'm sorry, excuse me. As it comes down, um, it, it makes a stop. Like it, it kind of skids to a halt almost. And our, our dog stops with it. And it, it, poked its head out of the of the bush and then lash at the dog like like it was biting at the dog right and it was that I, I was able to see it for a split second and at first I was wondering if it may have been a hog because we have a a white and brown hog that kind of runs around and runs amok around through here but whenever it stuck its head out at first it looked like it might've been a hog just on the fact of like, you know, white coming out of the bush. Right. So that was my first, first thought, the first, you know, millisecond of thought it was, you know, this is probably just a hog. But as soon as it got its full head out, it, it, it looked nothing, looked nothing like a hog at all. It, it looked human, like humanoid, at least. It, if you've ever seen like a UFC fighter, you know, they'll be thin, but they'll have, you know, all the stacked on muscle, right? Um, it, that's what I, I would best describe it looking as. Like, you, I could see the neck and a bit of the shoulders whenever it lashed its head out. It had like a really thin neck, like thin but at the same time you could tell it had like muscle right so it came down to the shoulders and the shoulders looked you know basically like take token you know mma fighter and you know if their skin was completely white there was you know no like 
it wasn't just like light skin. It was like bleach white. It was, it was something, dude. It, it, I mean, it was something because I, you could tell it had like a human shape to it. So you could see the neck kind of come up and, you know, it connected to the head, obviously, but it was a human like shaped head. Like it had the outline of a human head and the, the first thing I noticed when looking at the head is that it didn't have a mouth and that, that was weird on, on a few different things where like, it seems to be lashing out like it's biting at the dog. And I go, well, if it's biting at the dog, then it's got to have a mouth. But either I, I couldn't tell if it had a mouth or it honestly didn't. And looking up, it had high cheekbones, like kind of sunken in middle cheeks and then higher cheekbones. And then its eyes were deep set in its head so if you're looking at like a side profile of me like my eyes would be you know more out right the eyes were pushed almost completely back into its skull and then almost like not aligned correctly with its face at at the side profile like the eyes seem to to be very like almost much further back in its skull than on a human and the eyes were completely black, at least from, from where, where I was looking at it. All it looked like is that its eyes were black, dude. And I've, you know, I've seen animals, and it'll look like their eyes are black until you get up closer. And, it, you, you know, it's just that their pupils are huge, right, compared to the rest of the eye. So it might be a bit of that, or the eyes were just plain black. And it... Also, the nose was, it wasn't long. The nose was very compact to the face. Uh, Almost like the nose was kind of connected to the mouth and everything. Like it didn't have like a human looking nose where the nose is just, you know, distinct from the, the rest of the face on a side profile. You can see, you know, where the nose comes out. It looked like the nose and the mouth were all kind of running together, but Again, that might have just been the distance from which it, from which I was looking at it. It was maybe 35 yards down, I'm going to say. And after it lunged its head out, the dog jumped back and kind of continued to bark at it. It stuck its head back in really quick. And then continued on down through the the field and then stopped. No sound whatsoever, just up and just stopped. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and I I look over to my path and I say, did you hear that? And he's he's like, no, I I didn't hear anything. So I go, huh, that's, that's, you know, weird. I mean, he wasn't really, you know, paying attention or anything. He saw the dog barking at something but he wasn't watching the dog at the time, which again, I'm a little bit almost like upset at the, at the fact that he didn't see it as well, because I I know I'm not crazy. I, you know, I must've seen something at least. 
And from what I from what I saw, it looked it looked like that. When you talk about something that doesn't have a mouth and the eyes are sunk back, uh, now I know why you said earlier about how after this experience, you're not sure what you encountered. Because that doesn't sound like a Bigfoot to me. That sounds like some kind of, I, I don't know, evil, demonic-sounding creature. I, I Like, you, you described it as it was like a humanoid, but it just didn't have the features of a human, nor a Sasquatch. I mean, that and if, yeah. if you're talking about something that does not have a mouth, that's not a natural creature. What exactly. creature doesn't have a mouth? What time of day was this again? Uh, what time of year? Yeah, year, day. November, I think the day, it was one week before Thanksgiving. So I'm going to maybe guesstimate that it was a, I think it was a Wednesday. So Wednesday, about six, I'm going to say, I want to say 6.30, but that's the time we left the house. I honestly don't know the exact time. And it takes us about 20 minutes to walk down. So I'm going to say that it was about 8 o'clock-ish, uh, November 2017. 8 o'clock in the morning or at night? At night. Um, because of course. The sun was the sun was setting. Um, if it's 8 o'clock in the morning, it's time to just pack up and head home because nothing's coming out. Right. You know, of course, it's, you know, eight o'clock at night. It couldn't be in the morning when the sun's going to be coming up and the right. birds are chirping. No, it has to be when yeah. the creepy crawly things come out at night. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's like th- this. This is a very fascinating account to me because uh, how often do you hear somebody say they saw something very physical to the point that they saw it outside with their dog who saw it uh, and it had the features that you described. Uh, now I I've referenced this before and I like referencing it because it's a great example. Uh, on Sasquatch Chronicles, Wes had a guy on who, um, shot a goat horned entity in a tree. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I actually, you got done talking about it on one of your shows and I went and looked it up. Um, to 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 get a to get a feel for it and man dude that's a that's one creepy encounter yeah it's a baphomet and up to this yeah. point in my life i assumed that demonic entities were strictly spiritual and they aren't physical and this guy's saying he straight up killed one uh now the body's yeah. gone when he got back so who knows what happened there but he talks about seeing the blood. It's dead. It's there, physical. And so it yeah. makes you wonder, what did you see? You know, obviously it wasn't a Baphomet because a Baph- you didn't describe horns or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is something totally, totally different. Uh, it's very peculiar. Yeah, it is. And I did start researching, you know, what it could be, you know, strange white creatures, you know, stuff like that. And I did come across a Sasquatch Chronicles episode, and I don't remember what it was, but it had a lady was on, and she was talking about walking through a park at night, and how she came out into out into the park and she saw this creature crouching down in the middle of the road, and she said that it was completely white, and 
had really dark eyes and you couldn't tell anything else from the face other than it was just really pale white and it had dark eyes. Um, you know, forgive me for not knowing the episode that it was from. It was a while back whenever I, I listened to it, but it sounded a lot like what I saw. It was very, uh, it was humanoid. It was thin, but muscular. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to keep on saying, you know, it looked like, you know, Conor McGregor, like his body type. It basically looked like that. And she said it looked at her and then jumped off the, jumped off the path or so that was a whole, a whole thought. And I had actually heard that episode before, you know, look, having my encounter. And I just kind of went, well, you know, that, that's something it's, it doesn't really match with what, what was happening at the time around here. And, you know, I did more research after that, whether it be, you know, um, you know, looking up anything from like the whole dog man phenomenon to, you know, Sasquatch to, and what, uh, what Wes actually said it might've been was a, uh, skinwalker. And that was a, a thought of mine at the time, which is, you know, it might be a skinwalker or until like a little bit, I, I was ruling it as a skinwalker cause I didn't know what else to call it. But, um, you know, I don't know. Are you familiar with a video game called until dawn? Not at all. Okay. So it's a horror video game about, you know, basically these kids up in a lodge, you know, stereotypical horror, horror game where there's, there's a killer running around. But after you defeat the killer in the game, you find out that there's Wendigos up in the mountain too. Okay. And so I've, I've heard about the Wendigo and whenever I think Wendigo, there was an episode of a TV show that I watched with the Wendigo in it and, you know, described it as having like a, you know, horns, like a, um, like an elk or something, right? So whenever I thought Wendigo, I'd always think that. But in, in this, this certain video game, the Wendigos look, were very like pale white creatures, really skinny. And, you know, they didn't have horns or anything. They looked like humanoids, like, but almost zombified and really, really thin and lanky, long uh, arms and legs. And whenever I first saw it, you know, there was a whole jump scare in the video game and whatever. And I literally jumped out of my seat whenever I saw it at first because I, it didn't look anything like I, you know, like I heard them looking like before. And the whole thing was like, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a mixed part jump scare. And then the rest was like, it looked so kind of familiar almost. Where like the whole whole neck structure and the head structure looked a lot like that. And I mean, I don't know if your audience is familiar with the game, but if you are and you know, you know what I'm talking about, that's kind of the best way I can put it. That and uh, I, I finally got around to watching, you know, Stranger Things. And whenever I first saw the creature, it gave me a little bit of a, you know, a jump back too, because it also was very like pale and, and kind of skinny 
and whatnot at, at, at the, I think, you know, the first time you really see it and kind of jump and, you know, that little moment where people say, you know, your heart skips a beat. It was pretty much that. And then it was almost like, you know, you start sweating and you, you start, you know, breathing real quick and, you know, it looks like like what you've seen before and it gives you a bit of a scare. If you're out there, say something. Or, or give me a sign. I won't even won't even say anything. Just I wanna know if you're okay. with Sasquatch Chronicles and you're listening to The Confessionals with Tony Merkel. I never gave up on you. I called you every night. Every night for 353 days. I heard. It takes, you know, straight from the movie screen and puts it in the real life context for you and that would scare anybody. I mean, I've seen Stranger Things and that monster on Stranger Things. I forget what they call it. It's, um... Demigorgon. Demigorgon, yeah. So the Demigorgon has a mouth, but it's its face that opens up. But when the face isn't mm-hmm. opened up, it doesn't have a mouth. Uh, it doesn't exactly. have eyes either, but uh, the fact that it doesn't have a mouth, if you, if anybody listening uh, looks up the Demigorgon from Stranger Things, I'm sure you'll find pictures of it with its mouth open and closed, uh, that's kind of freaky to think about because yeah, I just did an interview yesterday and I'm not sure if it's going to air before or after uh, your interview. So it might be out of order, but I just did an interview yesterday where we were talking about how Hollywood tends to almost predict the future because yesterday's sci-fi movies is today's reality. And when it yeah. comes to this kind of stuff, I often wonder, you know, is sometimes these entities that people experience or see in these movies, um, if they're prompted by real life encounters, you know what I mean? Like it's very, yeah. And I mean, not only that, if, 
if you're a good writer, you'll get inspiration from, you know, eyewitness accounts or folklore, you know, to kind of make, give your creature a bit of um, like a home feel, if you will. You know what I mean? Where like writers will go out and get inspiration from other creations of fiction or, you know, folklore, which makes me wonder if they got it from some kind of a, the idea from some kind of a folklore or, you know, or what have you. But again, Hollywood is a very shady place. And I've had multiple people have stories and talk to me personally about really weird things that are going on outside of this whole creature deal. Well, now my curiosity is piqued. Care to share it all? Um, I'm not going to give names. Um, That's fine. But I have I have a friend. Uh, we'll just call him Jake. And uh, Jake lives in Texas, or he lived in Texas. I honestly don't know where, where he's at now. But he lived in Texas, and he was a pizza delivery guy. So uh, pizza delivery guys, they encounter a whole assortment of weird. Um, I mean, seriously. So he, he is into the whole, you know, Illuminati MK ultra stuff. Right. And, you know, at the time I'd heard little, you know, real clickbaity videos on YouTube. And I'm like, you know, this is interesting, but you know, it might not be, you know, true or whatever. So, you know, we were, we, there's a vacation uh, beach down in Texas, uh, Galveston area, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. But we had gathered up some family and friends. We were all staying down there, and this was maybe two o'clock at night, and we talked for three hours. And he told me, you know, things like he had met people who were involved with the whole MK Ultra mind programming thing. And he told me how he taught, talked with people about, uh, you know, the whole put you in a room, give you LSD and that whole kind of thing. And he, he was, you know, talking about how he, he talked with this girl and she was like, you know, they had been giving her like LSD since she was really young, like nine and all the way up until she was maybe like 20 something they had been giving her LSD. And she said, sometimes they'll still come knock on her door and, you know, like harass her almost. Right. So it was a whole weird rabbit hole thing that, that pulled me down into almost where, you know, I know stuff now that a year beforehand, I wouldn't have even thought would have been real. And this even goes into, I listened to your, Mandalay Bay episode um and that was interesting because I have some theories on that and thoughts on that that aren't exactly you know mainstream if you will um go ahead and share but so I do believe that there are multiple shooters there at Mandalay Bay um, you even played the, the audio of what sounds like two, you know, two weapons going off at, at, at once. Right. Right. Uh, you know, two different sounds. 
And that, no, that was not Echo at all. And those were actually two different, two different weapons themselves. Um, and I'm not going to go out and say, you know, I'm some big, you know, gun expert or whatever, but I shoot, I do a lot of shooting and both my dad and my grandpa were in the military and they served both of them. And my, my grandpa even, uh, was a heavy machine gunner in, um, Germany, the police, the, uh, military police in Germany at, um, you know, back in the day. So he, you know, I have a lot of gun knowledge and I, you know, I watch, you know, documentaries of, you know, war documentaries and stuff like that. And I could, you, you, the, the first one I think was a more shrill sounding firearm. And to me, whenever I first heard that, I thought this sounds like, like an AK rifle, uh, either an AK 47 or an AK 74, but I'm leaning more towards AK 47 because I think if I'm not mistaken, they have a better range and it, it definitely was an AK rifle from the sound just because an AK rifle, um, has a mechanism in it that not only do you hear the, the gun report, the, the sound of the actual explosion of the gunpowder, but you also hear the metal inside clang and hit each other. And it creates a really metallic sound, very high pitched sound. And whenever I first heard that, I thought, yeah, that, that sounds like an AK 47. And then the second one was a more thuddy, kind sounding you know rifle it had more of a thud to it and it was almost like two different two different kinds and if i if i may go go so far as to say that both of those were automatic i don't think a bump stock was involved simply because a bump stock yes will give you a at least a sound of automatic fire but it's no way as fast as that. Um, Automatic weaponry will fire 30 rounds anywhere only between about maybe three seconds, okay? Which is not as hyped up as the media would have you to believe, but it's nothing to mess around with. But the problem is, is keeping on target for that long because it does create a kick. And after sustained fire, you know, the the kick builds up and you start straying away from, from target and you move in an upwards direction. Right. So either he had it mounted or it was, you know, he, he would have been firing in bursts. And the reason he, he wasn't firing in bursts leads me to believe that it wasn't a bump stock, but that it was an automatic weapon because with a bump stock, you're physically moving back and forth very rapidly. And from my experience, it makes it even harder to aim with a bump stock. And it sounded like to me that the, he was going fully automatic and had it mounted because he would be able to keep on target with it being mounted, but get the same amount of speed. And I don't, I'll have to honestly do more research, but I don't think that mounted does well with bump stocks because especially if you're mounting a weapon to go fully automatic most of the time, or if not all the time, it's going to jostle you around more and it's not going to be a pleasant experience. You're, 
you're going to, you're going to get thrown around a bit by it because what the bump stock does is it does jostle you around is the whole point of it is to, to jostle you around. It didn't sound like he dropped fire for a second. So that just kind of leads me to believe that he had it mounted somehow. No. Yeah. I, and, I do agree with you. I'm sorry to cut you off real quick, but I, I do know that with the bump stock, it, the bump stock itself is what creates uh, the automatic fire possible. And by d- the way it works is it literally, for lack of better terms, bumps into your shoulder. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I've never used one, but yeah. I've, I've looked into it. It bumps into your it, shoulder and allows you to, to reload as it kicks back. And so when it's doing that, to have it mounted would be extremely hard. It would be because it would knock you off target every time you'd fire it with and even then mounted is not perfect you're going to jostle around a little bit but with a bump stock you'd be flopping all over the place you know you wouldn't be able to sustain fire and you know like i said i'm not going to brag but i can shoot a semi-automatic ar faster than a bump stock so or faster than a bump stock would allow you i should say because a bump stock, yeah, is going to jostle you around the place. You're only going to be able to get bursts for it to be effective. And then another thing is the whole Fast and Furious connection. Um, the whole, he carted multiple different weapons up the stairs. And um, I, I honestly believe that this had something to do with something, I don't want to say deep state, but perhaps or something where he had enough money to get those firearms because those firearms are very expensive. Um, and for having that, that many, I knew, I, I think I heard something that he was perhaps a, a gambler. Um, yeah, he was a high was roller in, in Vegas. He was a high roller. He had lots of money and they said it was because, well, they said that he was a high, he was a high roller, which meant that he spent a lot of money in Vegas. But when you do when, when the odds are stacked against you in Vegas. So in my mind, he didn't become rich and stay rich because of how, or from Vegas, he somehow made his millions, uh, outside of Vegas. Yes. And I honestly believe that this was more than a one-man operation because I'm not going to say he wouldn't have been smart enough to pull it off, but either he was a very, very professional about it or he, it's being pegged on him somehow or, or whatnot because you know, I've done research and stuff into even you know Sandy Hook and everything, and that itself is a little bit you know, iffy. I'm not going to say kids didn't die because obviously kids died, but you know, that in itself was my, that was my specialty research for a while on that. But you know, it's a lot of weird and, uh, I, you know, you know, I don't know what I should and shouldn't say about it. Um, yeah, just because I don't know how controversial this might be, and I don't want to get you in hot water with anything. Um, well, go ahead and say whatever you want to say, and if it's something I have to edit out, I'll, I'll edit it. Yeah, so, you know, like I said, Sandy Hook was my my go-to research. I kind of fell down that rabbit hole, and, you know, full, you know, the crazies and the, the not-so-crazies, if you will. Uh, so... <clears throat> Basically, upon my research of the the kid and the shooting, uh, 
it kind of came down to this honestly couldn't have gone down the way they said it did go down. And again, I'm not saying kids didn't die because they, they obviously did, but I don't believe that the shooter they pegged it on was in fact the shooter because if we look at his accuracy, it would have been insane. His accuracy. It was, if I remember something, it was a 97% chance of hit of hitting someone out of all the, the rounds he fired. And that means that I'm trying to remember how many fatalities there were, but that means that he had nearly every shot had to have hit and that he only had error for maybe three misses. And that's impressive considering that Al Capone had only a 94% chance of hitting at the Valentine's day massacre. And he had all his, uh, all his victims lined up on the wall and they were standing there to the fact is like there were movement going on inside the school leads me to believe that this was something more that this person would have had to shot nearly everyone in the school that he came in contact with and not missed pretty much at all, which in and of itself in that situation, I don't know many people who would be able to do that. If any, so what you're saying is not that people didn't die, but you believe that there was probably uh, a more capable shooter doing the job. Yes, because I'm going to be frankly honest that this kid was he was he was a he was a stick figure pretty much. Okay, and from what they said is that he was also wearing a bulletproof vest, and those bulletproof vests are heavy. Action heroes in the movie, you know, they move around like it's nothing, but Bulletproof vests can weigh anywhere between 15 to 30 pounds. And especially if he's wanting, you know, just a stock bulletproof vest, that's probably going to fall anywhere between there if I'm not mistaken. Again, I don't own one. I don't know. But again, it's, it's weird because, you know, I have friends who are along his, his size who do, you know, tactical training with me and whatnot. And it's like, they wouldn't even be able to do that. And they're, you know, pretty much what would you, what you consider an average guy. And they have to, you know, get up to that point. They can't just really put one on and then be ready to go. Especially like if they said that he spent most of his time just, you know, you know, playing video games in his basement and whatnot. It doesn't seem like he'd be able to do that, especially since he'd have to have the maneuverability and a vest does, hinder your maneuverability, especially if you're not experienced with using them. And the fact that extra maybe 20 pounds on him compared to the fact that he somehow had the accuracy to make it like a 97% chance of hitting is not only a little bit outrageous, but if it's so, then that's very scary that a person would be able to do that. Well, that's interesting. I, I've never, I, I shouldn't say never, uh, I haven't spent a whole lot of time on Sandy Hook because uh, when it happened, to be quite frank with you, when that, when that happened, I was not uh, anywhere remotely close to um, where I am today when it comes to the idea of conspiracy and all the stuff that I cover on the show. I, I didn't think like this, and I was just 
a mainstream media sheep who, you know, I would turn yeah. on the news and whatever they said is what happened. And uh, I was also, even if I did question something, I wouldn't have had the guts to look into it or let alone speak out about it because I was very much uh, concerned with somebody, you know, labeling me something. And I was always worried about what people would think of me. Um, I, obviously, that's not the case anymore. I, I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, back then when that and happened, I, I, I didn't really investigate it like a lot of people did. Yeah, and probably for the better, because now um, I didn't know people personally, but I knew channels on YouTube that were investigating this, and they weren't even going like out on a limb, out on a stretch with any of this. And their channels got whacked and taken down, and every every ounce of their existence on YouTube was destroyed, and even other social medias as well. So maybe it was for the better that you didn't jump straight into that. Well, I mean, it's even with this uh, Vegas shooting. I mean, they, they're censoring a lot of the stuff that's going on out there. Uh, and that's why I don't put my show on YouTube, because uh, it, some of the topics I cover and stuff, they're going to take it down anyways. And so exactly. I, I, I don't really uh, mess around with YouTube a whole lot. I'll post some things here and there, but um, right, yeah, I, I don't really mess with yeah and like i said i had a a podcast back in the day and it wasn't conspiratorial or anything i'm going to be straight up i'm i fall more towards the right leaning um and a lot of people stereotype me as being a not nice guy but you know it's just more towards where i lean i guess i'm more of like a traditionalist in the sense of american politics but that was what the show was about and we had it during the election cycle and it was on a app called soundcloud sure and also as a as a music uh nerd pretty much uh, rock and metal nerd i you know i'm on there a lot always kind of looking for the next upstart band or group right so i decided you know what i'll i'll, I'll post there see see what happens and uh, me and my brother, we'd sit down and do the podcast once a week, sometimes twice a week if we could, and uh, just kind of comment on American politics, not really take super even hard stances or anything, but just kind of comment on the the current climate. And we would get followers. I think the most we ever had was 17, but we had a lot of views that weren't really matching up with like the the, the follower base. And it was weird and suspicious because we dropped followers by the day. Like we'd, we'd start off with the day with 12, then we'd lose five and then we'd be down so low into like four. And then the next day there'd be more than what was originally before. And I just kind of got fed up with it because it was obvious that someone was screwing with our, our followers and either unfollowing people or who knows what, but it was just a whole weird thing. And now again, I'm on SoundCloud again, this time doing two different different things, both a little bit of music and another podcast that I'm trying to get set up for this summer that is the followers have been consistent now, especially considering I haven't posted anything on the podcast channel that I'm getting together, is that you know, it's, it's still, you know, 
everything's remained consistent. But before that, the, the podcast that I was doing was getting, you know, whacked every day, losing to followers and gaining them again. And it, it was a whole weird thing. Yeah. I mean, that's just something that's just common anymore. Uh, censorship is a very real thing and, uh, it's, it's here. It's not going anywhere. Uh, it's only going to get worse. And that's, I know it's a half, a half glass, uh, full kind of approach on things, but I mean, when it comes to my, my long, my long-term thinking of how society's rolling, I'm very pessimistic. I, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of, uh, high hopes for the way things are going because we have allowed things to get to this point. And you mentioned earlier about the deep state. The deep state is very much deeply ingrained into every aspect of our government and they are operating within the shadows. And so there's a lot of things that have been going on for many years and it's gotten to this point. We've allowed to get to this point. They have gotten it to this point. And now to reverse it, to reverse it would take dramatic changes in this country. And it starts with the people recognizing that they're being manipulating and being manipulated and saying no more. I am done. I'm not letting this happen anymore. And, 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 but the, the problem is to be able to have, a good chunk, a big percentage of this country to wake up to that, that's next to impossible without God. It's it, 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 it is. It's going to take a miracle. It would. It would take a miracle. And it goes, you know, deeper than governments. It goes to bloodlines. It goes to yes. nations around the world. I mean, obviously, one could do the research and find weird coincidences and things and killing off people who don't agree and killing off people who do agree, which is the weird part for me where, you know, the whole JFK assassination where, you know, I happen to believe that JFK was a deep state person. He seemed like to be a bit of a shady character. And especially after his murder, and the whole Lee Harvey Oswald thing, which I honestly think is just an excuse, because again, there's no way he could have done what he did with the rifle he had. So it goes back even to then, and even to, I mean, just you know, again, I'll, I'll say it again, I'm a Christian. I don't, you know, ha- have a church or anything. I do fellowship with my family and we read the Bible and I believe everything in the Bible. There's not one, one thing that I'll, I'll look and say, here's, here's a contradiction. I mean, of course it was written by men, but with the influence of God. So going even to the whole church and the church in America now and the church of Europe that America tried to get away from, it's it's really scary now, especially because it almost feels like there's been an infiltration, you know, where it feels like like the church of the church of old almost seems to be coming back. And I'm not going to like, you know, you can you can agree or you can disagree. It it, do, it doesn't matter to me. But, you know, people like Joel Olstein and even Jesse Duplantis, they seem 
shady to me, you know? And I, I, I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm some kind of, you know, psychic or whatever, but, you know, I, I do get feelings about people. And I think I've, I've been good at reading people in, in a way of like, you know, I, I get a feeling whenever I'm around people, like certain people. And this even goes into my encounter where, you know, I could tell that it wasn't human and it didn't feel, you know, like an, like an actual creature because it's almost like whenever you're out in the woods, you can almost feel the wildlife around you where, especially if you spend enough time in the woods, you go, yeah, I feel wildlife around me. And I've been having had creatures kind of, uh, you know, normal wood creatures just kind of out there and, you know, you'll come across them and you can, you can tell they're real. Even before you come up upon them, if you're just hearing them, you go, okay, this, this seems like an actual creature. And that I didn't get that feeling whenever I encountered my creature. I'm going to be honest. It just felt like a empty mass of something just moving through the, through the forest. Yeah, and, and that's kind of like how I envisioned it, too. I mean, the the whole tone of the story, uh, it, it seems like, to me, it sounds like something that was a darker, dark entity. I mean, I wouldn't, I would not say it was an angelic <laughs> experience, but it definitely <laughs> seems something that was dark, but physical. And there, it just, again, to show that there is so many things in this world that is hard to explain uh, and that we don't have a grasp on if we if you think we've figured it all out you're you're kidding yourself exactly yeah and you know it, it's continued up until now the encounters and everything and i suppose i could go into that if you if you want yeah go ahead let's get back on track let's get <laughs> go ahead man <laughs> i yeah sorry i do have a tendency to do that um me too uh, so the latest, the, mo the most recent encounter of, of note would be this week, you know, week before last, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, just trying to put it into words what I'm thinking. Uh, last week, uh, I have always, you know, heard you know, noises for like pretty much, yeah, the past four years, you, I've heard, like you said, a deep growl of some kind riling up the coyotes in the distance. Um, and again, now that is kind of normal. I don't know if it, it's weird to say that, but now that noise has kind of become like a part of life almost. Like you hear the growl and you know what it is. And then the coyotes go off and you're just like, Oh, it's that again. You know? It, I don't know if it's from being around the sound so much, you just get used to it. Or, I mean, I don't know. It just, you know, it, you'll hear a deep, deep growl of some kind, and it'll, it'll set off the coyotes, and they'll start, they'll start howling, going, not just howling, but barking and crying, and even just like going into a frenzy. Um. And that's been going on. It ramped up for a little bit around the same time as hunting season. And that goes into, uh, I mean, I've heard everything from what sounded like a raccoon being torn apart uh, to, I mean, just, I've shot at deer in the forest and nothing happens. 
like, and that, that can be a common occurrence. Um, you know, especially if you're up close, I was walking on a, on my neighbor's property. He sometimes allows us to, to go hunting. And this was again, around the same time that I saw the creature, maybe two days later, which is interesting and weird. I still am not sure what happened, but basically I was walking up a road towards a, a deer stand that he had set up. He has a driveway and a pretty long driveway all the way up to a little cabin. He doesn't stay there. He lives up in the city. He kind of uses it as a retreat. So I walk, I'm walking up the road and I'm looking around being as quiet as I can. And I come upon these two deer that are just kind of standing there. Right. And at first I'm like, this is really good. Really cool. I, I might be able to get one, you know, immediately. Right. I, um, I was using a break action rifle, which is, you know, pretty standard, pretty much the gun cracks in half. You put the, the bullet inside the chamber, snap it together and pull back the hammer. Right. Very simple. I, but that only means that I have one shot. So I, I gotta be very, very careful with it because I don't have a very fast reload time with it. I pull back the hammer. I raise it up about the same time the deer the behind the first one recognizes what's going on. The, the, the first one in front was just, you know, standing there, didn't notice at all. And I pull the trigger and nothing. And I've always been taught to aim a little bit uh, towards the rib area because if you can get them right through the lungs, that'll save the meat and the shoulder. So I, again, I shoot for the lung, nothing. And I'm, I'm, I stand there and the deer behind reacts. Like it jumps from the shot and then runs off. The other one just kind of stands there, which I, I'm contemplating on whether or not this was something supernatural or whether it was just shocked at the sound of the of the gun and it just stood there it stood there long enough that i could reload it just didn't move i reloaded and it was about that time it just kind of started walking and it would it took a few steps and then started bounding right getting out of there and I raise up again and again I shoot and this time I can see the bullet impact the ground behind it for like it went right through it right and I'm I'm using an okay caliber gun I was using a two uh a 243 which is basically a 22 round shoved onto a bigger um a bigger uh oh, I'm trying I'm trying to put it a bigger uh, cartridge. So much more powder. But the thing it does is that it travels extremely fast. And whenever it hits a target, it'll curve up because of the way that the bullet goes into whatever it's hitting, it'll come out higher or it will, uh, it will get lodged in, in like a J formation and that create, it, it has more damage to it. So it'll put the creature down faster. So I shoot and I watch the bullet spatter behind it and as it runs off. And now 
I know I didn't hit it because I did shoot a deer later on that night. And even from a far distance, you could see the deer, you know, the entry wound and the blood and everything, even from a distance, a distant shot. And I know I hit it because, you know, I'm, I'm not a dummy. I'm not going to miss twice. So it was, it was interesting to say the least. It was after the first shot where I thought I had it. And then I didn't that you get a, I got a the sinking feeling in my chest. It was almost like, like picture you're being, you know, almost like chased by some really, you know, tough creature. Okay. And you, you shoot it and it does nothing to it. It was almost like a feeling of hopelessness after I shot it where like it didn't work. And it was, it was a weird feeling. And then almost like fear by the time I had reloaded, I was, you know, shaking a little bit as I was reloading. And then, you know, um, I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm some kind of Sylvester Stallone Rambo type or whatever, but you know, you know, after, after you get done firing a weapon, you need to control yourself because you don't want to be emotionally, uh, unstable with a weapon in hand. Okay. Especially, you know, if you're hunting, you want to kind of remain, have a calm posture. Right. So after I got done reloading it, I held it up, breathed in, and then took and took the second shot. And then whenever it missed behind it, I just kind of just went like, you know, what, what in the world just happened as the deer just pretty much pranced off into the forest. And I'm sitting there going, I know I hit that thing at least once I had to have, you know, at that range, if you were to hit a deer when it was running, it would veer off course at least just a little bit. I've shot deers with this weapon at a long distance and it downed it right there just from the force of the impact of, of the round. So if I knew I hit it, but if I hit it, it would have hit, it would have hit the ground immediately. And it was just a whole big, you know, like one of those what in the world moments. And that's whenever like I started shaking and like the shakes started setting in and I, uh, I crawled up underneath the deer stand and sat there till the sun started going down and I was able to get a deer, but it was one of those, it, it was almost fear. I'm going to say it was almost fear. I was shaking and I honestly can't explain that. That was something. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I don't know, man. Like it, it seems like that the property in the land is just, uh, it, it's got some, it's got some weird juju to it, you know. It's just, yeah. Uh, it, it's some. There's something off there, uh, and maybe it has something to do, like you said earlier, about with the Native American history in that area and stuff. I mean, it, it really, um, it, it very well might be possible. Uh, I mean, when it when it comes to this experience that you had, where you saw that white entity, I'm just gonna call it an entity. I you, even though I know it was physical, I don't know what else to call it. Uh, right what's your gut tell you, man? Like what's your gut tell you with that experience? Um, you know, usually a lot of people just say evil, right? They just label something as evil whenever it may or may not be, you know, it seems like there's two camps where it's like, Oh, it was completely evil and demonic. And then where, Oh, it was just a nasty creature where I honestly can't, I don't know because I'm, you know, 
I'm not going to say I know, but I can get a feeling when there's something almost satanic going on. And whenever something satanic is happening, um, I, I, you know, I don't, you get this darkness feel about you. And I think you told a story about the guy, um, who was trying to pass off this book to you. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Uh, but even hearing that story at first, whenever you were going into it, I thought, you know, I had no idea what was, that it, it would have taken that turn. Honestly, I, I seem to just remember it being like a whole story and then maybe something's going on in his house. But as soon as you said, you know, he, he hugged you and he, you know, that kind of a thing, he, he was trying to give you, give you these books. And I immediately went, you know what, that, that, that sounds deeply satanic. I, um, I haven't listened to a lot of your recent episodes because for some reason, my tablet, uh, that I listen to on because it has more storage, but you know, it won't download your episodes for some reason. Um, Hmm. which is weird, but I did listen to a little bit of an episode where you had, um, this satanic, uh, I guess you would call, call him a priest or something. High wizard. Um, Yes, the high wizard. And whenever he came on, just from like the moment, you know, that he started, you know, telling, saying about what he, what he was doing, the whole spells that he he was doing to get money. I went, you know what, that isn't just, you know, magic because a lot of people nowadays will go magic and it's magic and it's, it's whatever you want it to be. And I've got to call, you know, BS on that because if I, I tend to believe that there aren't as many gray areas in this world. I used to think that there were, but I see things that I go, yeah, that seems strictly satanic. Like it seems there's a reason they call it black magic and white magic because black and white polar opposites. And whenever uh, you, I, I, I felt this thing. I didn't even have to like, you know, see it before I even saw it, a feeling of just like fear and dread. And it was like, you know, am I seeing this for real is what I'm seeing right here, you know, real because it didn't feel real. Your, your mind goes to another place and it's almost like a feeling in your head where you've been bent over for too long doing something. You stand up real quick. All the blood kind of rushes around and everything. You know, you get lightheaded. That's the, that's the feeling. It's like, you know, did this really just happen? And it, it didn't feel like a, like a actual creature running around. It felt like just a dark black, nothing like there was nothing to it. It had no ties to the to this earth it was someplace else at the same time and especially on like the way it left had me really really perplexed because it didn't run off like i said with the 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 bigfoot sounding creature before it, it didn't run off it just stopped it stopped making sound and it was it was weird because usually whenever something runs off, you can hear it running off, but it got to a certain distance and then stopped completely. No more sound 
out of anything. The birds, they weren't chirping. You know, they're, the, not even the bugs were making noise. Not even the, you know, the frogs were making noise. And it's, it's weird. And I'm actually, I, I'm, you know, more along the line of perhaps there are two entities out here. You know, more than just one. Yeah, and that's kind of how it sounds like to me, too. I mean, uh, with what your brother said and then with what you said, I mean, similarities for sure, uh, but definitely seems like two separate instances. And what you experience, like I said, it 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 seems much more evil and sinister uh, right off the jump. You know, anytime you're describing something that doesn't have a mouth, uh, <laughs> that's just not, yeah, that's just not normal. Uh, but man, listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some of this stuff. It's, it's been a great conversation. And, uh, you know, if you have any, you know, things that happen on that property, you know, after we're done talking tonight, I would really like to hear about it because, uh, you know, it seems like this is an ongoing situation on the property. Yes, it is. And I, I will do, Tony. I mean, like like I said before off air, you know, you may not be able to reach me 24-7, but, you know, I'll be able to get back with you on anything in probably at least a week, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm a, I'm a fan of the show. I really appreciate what you're doing here, the work that, that you're putting forth, you and uh, Wes and everyone else who – who does these shows? I uh, actually, it was through Sasquatch Chronicles that I that I found the show uh, back whenever. I think you just you pretty much just popped in for a little commercial almost, um, and I went to your website. And at the time, I didn't have a, uh, a a place I could download your podcast on, but once I did, I backed. I listened to pretty pretty much every episode. I think all the way back, and I've been listening ever since. Well, I appreciate that, man. I really do. And hopefully uh, you feel like the show's gotten better as time's gone on and uh, become more enjoyable. Because when I listen back to the first episode, I often think I, I, I cringe. I'm like, oh, it sounds so bad. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's just me being nitpicky. But I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and hanging out with me tonight, man. Uh, take care. All right. All right. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, there are three things you can do to help support this show. One, you can go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Two, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the confessionals and become a patron to help support the show. And three, and for free, you can go to social media with this show. Share it around social media with highlighting the link that you're listening to the show on right now. Share it on your social media pages. That helps the show out a lot. With that said... I hope you guys have a great week. Take care and stay safe. And remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it will piss you off. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. Wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's gone. Ain't no sunshine, she's gone. 